welcome to the very first episode of Love in the Time of COVID-19, a podcast that aims to explore relationships in the midst of a global pandemic. I'm Lindsay, a podcasting newbie and a licensed marriage and family therapist living in a small ski town in Colorado. This time a year ago, you would have found me running from treatment room to treatment room at work, going to watch friends perform in our town's local burlesque show, and planning my super cool ski outfit for our mountains closing day. Most of the time, it's a pretty sweet life. While I still spend my days working with clients at our local medical clinic, a lot has changed. I don't get to hang out with friends after work, go to a yoga class, or spend my time on the chairlift. The ski resort is closed, the restaurants are shuttered, and our county has been sheltering in place for several weeks now. I don't say this as a complaint, but just to provide the context of how much has changed for me personally in a matter of weeks. I don't even get to see my clients face-to-face and rely on televideo for us to be able to connect. I'm extremely grateful to still be able to go to work and be able to do a job that I love, but it's a massive adjustment. Now is a time of caution and uncertainty, and most of us spend a lot of time concerned with what piece of news will pop up next. Despite this being an unprecedented situation filled with uncertainty and fear, People seem to be valuing relationships of all kinds more than ever. Instagram dance parties, online fitness classes, and Zoom happy hours have become a standard part of our new normal. As has that phrase, our new normal. Anyway, in this series, which I hope will be limited, I plan to explore all varieties of relationships, understand what this time has brought to those relationships, and I also hope to be able to give some tips on relationship maintenance during a stressful period. And to be clear, the relationships we will explore won't just be romantic ones. We'll be looking at friendships, family relationships, and even the relationships we have with ourselves. Everyone has their own unique story to tell, and I'm excited to hear yours. I'm hopeful that although these stories may be bittersweet, that they can bring us some feelings of optimism and connection It only seems fair that I start with a relationship story of my own. So, as an introduction for my first podcast episode, I'd like to introduce Matt, my partner and the producer of this podcast. Matt is my favorite person. I love that he is funny and kind, extremely friendly and social, and is creative and adventurous. Matt is always pushing himself to be a better person, and that kind of energy is infectious. I'm glad he's my quarantine mate. Welcome to our living room from the bedroom. Thank you. Um, insert crappy joke about long commute in or something. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's maybe just start by telling people, uh, our probably like four listeners, what uh, just a little bit about our relationship. Well, I think it's 
fair to start where we started. We met um, at the, the local climbing gym, our high school climbing wall that is open to adults on certain nights. Um, it's a, a fun way to be able to go climb during the winter when everyone else is out skiing. Yes, closed at the moment. Yeah, I. that's how I remember it too. I remember being very impressed by your prowess with the auto belay which I find to be a terrifying device <laughs> I did it once I think you were actually there for that too and I never did it again because it's very scary and I think I even commented maybe the first night that we met each other that it was brave that you were doing that uh, I don't think I've ever admitted to you that I think I started using that auto belay maybe two days before I met you and I <laughs> wanted to make it seem like I was a lot tougher than I was because it, it still scares me to this day. Yeah, so from that time point, um, we got to know each other a little bit better at the gym. And uh, then off-season, because we do live in a town where um, our town is just essentially empty for two months. Um, as I recall, you gave a friend your number to give to me. And then we just kind of started hanging out. Yes, it's really easy in this town to flirt with somebody uh, under the guise of trying to find a hiking buddy. Um, and that we just ended up going on a lot of hikes during that off season. And I think, uh, I think a few months in, we both liked each other, but had a really difficult time of expressing that because we were so used to being single. Uh, yeah, you're right. It took us a minute to pin down our emotions, mm -hmm. but I think And then... I think there was a lot on my side and then more on your side. And there was a lot of back and forth until we figured each other out. I think there was a lot of apprehension and I don't think it was about each other. I think it was more about um, being uh, willing to or ready for um, a long-term relationship. And we knew we didn't want anything uh, that was... Um, menial or short uh, we wanted something that was meaningful and and I think we were both kind of nervous about that um, that's speaking from personal no experience. I think I think you nailed it and I think once we figured that out we realized we were both very similar creatures and mm -hmm. um yes yeah then wound up going on a lot more adventures together traveled to a few different countries um almost died a time or two on a hike uh, went on a southwestern road trip with your family, music festivals. All um, dangers of dating me, yeah. Yes, and, and <laughs> me as well. Let's yeah. not pretend um, that's all you. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I think the biggest kind of uh, milestone prior to quarantine for us was moving in together which we kind of gradually started doing over February. It's now the end of March. And um, yeah, I think that's been our most recent large landmark. That uh, was around the time that all of this started, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think things really ramped up when um, I was actually gone for training in Seattle. <laughs> ironically it's not <laughs> funny but places. here we are um in a training um to learn more about you know relationship dynamics and working with couples and things like that as I was at the at the time um epicenter of our country 
So that's this podcast in a nutshell. Um, is there anything else that you would add that people should know that makes our relationship unique or different? Or do you feel like we've covered it? Um, I think we are two very similar people. And I think in almost every aspect in the, in the parts of ourselves that we, um, that we like the most and the, the parts that we have to deal with, including our very shaky dog. Um, <laughs> it's very loud. I, I think, um, I think a lot of our individual selves that we are actively trying to work on we recognize in each other and uh, that anxiety is definitely one of them yes uh, <laughs> my think best friend anxiety overstimulation anxiety um i mean the amount of media that i think everyone is consuming right now is um it it definitely plays into it so recognizing that in each other and doing the best that we can to try and um keep that at a minimum you're totally right. We're very anxious creatures, and now we actually, like, have a thing to be anxious about. Um, I don't know. How do you feel like this has impacted our relationship, our lives, our daily yeah. routines? Like, You know, uh, for us, I, I, don't think it's Im- <laughs> I don't think it's impacted us very much. I mean, we are both very much a part of our own worlds. Uh, this, even though it is now newly a shared space, kind of always was our share. I didn't really spend a whole lot of time in your old apartment. No, it was very, very small. Mine was exceptionally small. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, but I I don't, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a level of, uh, comfortability that we had to build. It was something that we just always kind of naturally had. And we we recognize that anxiety in the both of us and we, we kind of have natural, um, we have natural ways of pulling each other out of that anxiety, um, making each other laugh, um, or recognizing the anxiety in the other person and being able to counteract that. I think we've always been pretty good about that. I think we're also lucky right now as compared to a lot of people that were both considered to be um, in one way or another essential personnel. So we're both still working. So we haven't had to do the intense at home together all the time thing. Even when I was self-quarantined after I got back from Seattle, you were still you still managed to find a loophole in your self-quarantine to be able to go out and about. I was able to convince uh, the local medical center that uh, so long as I wore gloves and sanitized my truck and myself uh, and every surface that I touch constantly, that I could continue to... uh, and you also don't work around anybody. That's also the important thing because that is very true. sanitizing and all of that is not an okay excuse on its own to break a quarantine. No, we're not no, that, in spaces with anybody. That is a good point. Let me clarify. My job is, is caretaking in empty homes, um, doing um, handyman construction work, uh, usually with a crew of one myself. So I'm actually. Uh, very well suited uh, to work in this environment. But I'm also uh, taking care of people's homes, uh, which is considered uh, essential service, especially here in town. 
Yeah, but I mean, yes, job-wise, you're well-suited to isolation, but personality-wise... Not at all. Not at all. Normally, we can't walk anywhere (laughs) without saying hi to at least, like, seven people. So that's kind of been a big change. Not that we're really, like, going many places right now, but we've had to be a lot um, more abrupt with people and... Or yell across parking lots at people and just... uh... I've gotten very good at the uh, truck talk from a distance or uh, drive-by hellos. (laughs) Drive-by hellos. Um, Yeah, so daily routines, I feel like those have stayed pretty similar. Although you're spending some of your day volunteering, that's a little bit different. And you're not working as late, which I personally like. Because then we eat dinner early, which I like. (laughs) I um I've had to adjust um my work schedule just because a portion of my job used to be um meeting with uh subcontractors and plumbers and a lot of other folks that I am trying to keep a safe distance from um for their benefit and mine uh so I'm kind of operating on a diminished schedule right now but at the same time um I've kind of identified that it's important for you and I to have evenings together for our mental health. Um, Even though I do have work that I can be doing uh, into the evening like I used to, I think it's better for the both of us if I get home around the same time that you do. Uh, Now more so than ever. So we we touched on it a little bit as far as social life. Um, There's a lot of ways you've adopted yelling at people from your car. Um, That's kind of my new favorite thing. Running away from people in Mm -hmm. public spaces. Um, But, you know, prior to this, we were having a lot of, like, game nights, a lot of time skiing with other people. You were doing a lot of backcountry skiing with your friends. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that got put on hold uh, for... A very specific reason, and this is probably not a universal experience, but uh, up here in the mountains, a lot of um, a lot of residents do mountaineering or skiing off of the resort, and uh, those come with a lot more inherent risks. Uh, we have a search and rescue team that is available if you are injured out there, but. Right now, it has been recommended uh, by the county and the community as a whole um, to put those types of activities on hold um, just because the uh, resources needed for those types of rescues are the resources that are currently needed for the pandemic. Uh, so, And any injuries would definitely de- take away from our finite medical staff it would overburden the very small medical center that you work at yes so i mentioned that in the intro <laughs> <laughs> uh so i want to be uh, we, i think we're all very acutely aware of um the consequences of our actions i think a lot of us have had to adapt and some of the things that we're used to um turning to for stress relief we have to also kind of table. So finding new stress relievers has been a big part of this for me. Which, what are those? You know, I'm still looking for them. <laughs> Probably time to start running again. That's true. Running is uh, running is a big one. I've been reading um, a lot. I think that's been... Yeah, reading. We've had kind of a cool um, like resurgence of reading. Um, I think it's it's better to set boundaries for yourself. I think one thing that you had said at the beginning of all of this um, was 
let's make sure that we don't adjust any of our uh, routines or schedules too much from what we had before. And we never really sat and watched television unless it was, you know, past eight at night. We were sitting down to have a meal. We already spent time talking. We already you know, spent time with each other. Um, and it was only for, you know, an hour or two at a time. Yeah, I think my rule that I set for us was like, we are not going to watch TV during the daytime unless maybe it's a Sunday because we did have the occasional lazy uh, Sunday back in the past where we'd like make trash nachos and watch TV. So it was either nighttime or maybe a Sunday, but we haven't really strayed from that. But no. we also are both working. So. No, and I don't even think we've really watched TV on Sundays either. Uh, I no, think, we haven't. I think it's it's beneficial for both of our uh, mental state to not get too focused in on uh, too much media or uh, I don't know the streaming stimulus. So you know, one of my favorite things that has kind of come out from this time is. Um, I think we've both, uh, whenever things maybe are getting stressful, it seems like one of us will initiate dance parties. Um, if we've had a hard day, there's been a lot of really bad 90s music dance parties happening, which really do work to shift the mood. This is not clinical advice, but I think uh, it should be. <laughs> we just kind of pick a song and fall down a rabbit hole and it's true it's usually centered around the kitchen but it can uh easily bleed out into the rest of the apartment which uh, is the not dog, large no the <laughs> dog is often involved as well the dog has become a really um central part of our relationship not in a bad way and he always really was but um like his needs are pretty central i think as far as like oh my gosh He's going to go on a walk right now. He's going to be so excited. Because um, he, he lived a pretty active life um, along with us up until recently. Before you and I started dating, he was uh, extremely active. Um, long trail runs. He would come on backcountry adventures with me. He would, uh, you know, come climbing. Um, not quite up on the wall. thought about that, but that never really happened. Uh, but he was uh, a lot more active. Um, and around the time that we met, and really no correlation there, um, the uh, he just started to slow down a little bit. He couldn't go for uh, runs um, as long or you know as far or as steep. Um, he just couldn't sustain the same level of uh, physical activity. So he just started to mellow out a little more around the same time that you came in. And I feel like your personalities have meshed. He is becoming more your dog than mine. Yeah, but I think now he and I are both <laughs> much more potatoes than we were before. Yeah, are there, you know, dance parties are high up on my list as far as one of my favorite things to come out of this. Any Anything else that you think is a favorite uh, takeaway from our shelter-in-place times? I think we've just gotten weirder, collectively. That is entirely fair. We've definitely gotten weirder. We probably <laughs> I have no problem with don't that. need to expand on it. No. That's, we can leave it at that. We've gotten weirder. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's mostly been positives for us so far but also as we've acknowledged like our lives have not changed that much aside from outside of 
my work, I only really see you and uh, you only see people that you volunteer with. And that's kind of it. You know, I've, I still have the ability to check on neighbors. Um, that's been important to me too. Uh, just because we have some neighbors who were either you know, drastically impacted by all of this financially, um, especially living in a resort town where the last several weeks of uh, income were disrupted by the, uh, the closure of the ski resort. Uh, that was rough on a lot of people, um, so making sure that everyone is fed. Uh, but I also have uh, quite a few people in the community that I know that are elderly and or uh, immunocompromised. So so what do you think has been like the hardest about our relationship during this time? You know, I don't think there are um, too many things that are actually pandemic exclusive. I've been I've been trying to think about it because it seems like um, everything that would normally come with moving in with a partner for the first time and its boundaries, um, its monitoring criticism, uh, which we're both pretty good at. Uh, I think if anything were specific to our current situation, um, it's, it's media consumption. And how much we are both prone to that. Um, yeah, yeah, I know one thing I can definitely say for myself that I'm like actively trying to work on and I'm not good at at all is um, like sometimes I'll come home and I'll decide to like scroll through the New York Times updates and I'll be like, oh my gosh, this happened or this happened. And like you were probably having an okay moment up until then. And then I just like taint that moment with my own anxiety about what's going on and my need to like share that with you. And I think, um, you know, you haven't necessarily said anything about that, but I feel like it's something I could monitor a little bit better for your health and the health of our relationship. Maybe just my own media consumption too. Well, it's, it's, it's mine as well. And I, I I take equal uh, responsibility for that because uh, being, alone most of the day at work. Um, I am a rabid consumer of podcasts and it, they've always been nonfiction news based political world news. That is a, uh, a really uh, dangerous place to be in. If it's, if it's constant right now, because it's all, it's it's usually doom or gloom, but there is no bright side to any of it right now. So um, just trying to pick out the the facts from the sensationalism can be a little uh, bit difficult. But you know, after after a while, it becomes a um, like a like a work partner when you're out there by yourself because you know you feel like you have someone there with you when you're listening to these podcasts and it, and it. And that can be um, kind of detrimental to your mental health. We both like to be informed about what was what's going on. I mean, before COVID-19 really um, took off in the U.S. to the extent that it is, we were doing the same thing about the primaries. Yes. We don't really talk about that anymore. No. This has eclipsed that like tenfold. But 
I think, um, like that's always been a way we communicated, um, and had good conversations was about like political events or other large news stories. So I think it takes a little bit of habit breaking to, um, not do the same with this because, uh, the other things, you know, maybe there's a little bit of anxiety about, um, you know, what the president was doing or something, but not really on the level of like thousands of people's lives. That gets both of us a little bit more riled up, I think. Yeah, we've uh, we've both always been very empathetic people, and I think that has kind of um, pulled us, you know, closer to each other. But we. Um, we like to spend time in our community being advocates for those who can't necessarily advocate for themselves. So uh, focusing on something that's political, which is usually pretty self-involved, <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I think this has shifted our attention because we realize there are members of our community that might um, need us a bit more, and um, it's it's a little tough to focus on something as trivial as the primary anymore. I mean. I don't think I'd ever find myself saying that. Yeah, exactly. But I I don't think that that's important anymore. (laughs) Is there anything else? Uh, I know for me, like, like you mentioned earlier, like my anxiety definitely is heightened. And sometimes that comes down to like, if I'm home and you come home, I'm like, hey, you've got to wash your hands. Or I'll be like, remember not to get too close to people like stuff that I know you obviously know that I don't always even give you the chance to do before my like anxiety is telling you to do it um which I don't really know how that impacts you you're pretty good sport whenever I'm like hey did you wash your hands but um yeah that that's new I've never said that to you before when I've greeted you we are living in a shared space we are a I mean I guess being in a couple is like being a shared person in a way, in a a small way. Okay. It's good to be your own human, but at the same time, uh, we have to, if we're living in that same shared space. Making choices for the other person. We make choices right now. I think even um, physiologically, because if, you know, I were to get infected while being out in the world, um, or I, you know, I brought something in um, that is a a surface that came in contact with uh, the virus. You know, I don't want to bring that into the home. I don't, you don't want me to do that either. So, I mean, you're, you know, we're looking out for each other and knowing that doing these things keeps you safe. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me to hear you say that because it's just a reminder of, I have to think um, about someone aside from myself during all this. I think that's important. I don't, at no point has it, uh, has it annoyed me. Uh, I think I just have to remind you that I am thinking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, every time I hear myself say it, it's like, oh, cringe. Like, oh, did you just say that? Like, you're but just telling your your thirty something year old partner to wash his hands. That's okay. That's kind of lame. We all have to be advocates for each other throughout this. If we have to remind our friend who's standing four feet from us to go move those extra two feet, that's okay. I don't I don't think we're all going to come out of this um thinking about our one friend who is overly cautious throughout the pandemic. <laughs> I think depends what overly cautious looks like probably. Um so I think one thing that I feel really grateful about our relationship uh at this time is that we're really on the same page. I know people 
who are not seeing the world similarly right now, where, you know, maybe one of them doesn't really um, think this is a big deal or, you know, thinks it's okay to spend time with, you know, a lot of different people, things like that. And I think that would be really hard. And I'm glad that, you know, we just kind of support each other in, um, we've been on the same page about this since before it became even that big of a thing here, which is kind of wild. I've always kind of recognized that in you, and I I think that's one of the reasons um, why I felt so comfortable with uh, wanting to start a relationship with you. You and I have always shared the same values. Um, yes, we both might be a little anxious, but that's okay, because at least we see eye to eye on uh, the way that we view the world. I mean... I told you in January that this probably wasn't going to be very good and that every time I go to the grocery store, I'm just going to buy a few extra things of meat and throw it in the freezer. Um, that when I went to the hardware store in January and February, uh, I realized that I probably needed to go buy a few more masks for my job uh, because people would start buying them up pretty soon. And all of those things kind of started happening shortly after. And I don't always like to see myself as a paranoid person, but I think in this instance, some of my general anxieties helped to prepare us. And talking to you about it, I knew I didn't have to worry about you thinking that I was overreacting. When I first started talking to people about it in January, um, almost as much as me talking to people about it now, I, I still don't think that it's quite hit people. And I, I think that it I think it goes back to our negative we just talked about, our media consumption. But at the same time, um, I know that if I have a feeling um, or a thought uh, that I might think is a little bit off base, I'm never worried about coming to you with it because you know where I'm coming from. Um, even if... It might be irrational, and we can we can talk about it. You can kind of help me back off that ledge a little bit. Yeah, but then you help me um, you help me identify that. Even if I you know I can kind of sense it myself, it's really nice to hear it from uh, an outside source and someone who has my best interest at heart at the same time. So I think that that um, has made me feel very grateful for you, and it's it's made me feel grateful for. Um, moving in together, and moving <laughs> our relationship along with this really strange circumstance that I, I guess, I mean, you know, at other points in my life might have been a roadblock in a relationship, but at this time in my life and, and with you, it's actually, uh, it's been an improvement and it's really uh, illuminated how I feel about the choice to be in this relationship. It's, it's, it's just meant a lot and I feel, I just, generally feel grateful so sorry for a non-specific answer (laughs) it's okay um yeah I think one thing that I'm grateful for is I think uh even though these are really weird times we're stressed out a lot um I think we've weirdly had a lot of fun um yeah you know we we don't really have dull moments too often um we're always talking about something we're Again, back to the dance parties or you know working on some project or 
uh, trying to find a way to get outside or something fun. And I'm sure there are people who are living with people that aren't as fun right now. So I'm grateful that I get to live with you. But you're also responsible. It's not like just a party all the time. It's, um, oh. I also know you'll take care of things and that's really reassuring to feel safe, but also to be able to have fun. This is definitely uh, a time where our interpersonal relationships are either put to the test, stressed all the way to one extreme or the other. I think interconnectivity uh, between the people that we care about has reached a really interesting point. Because uh, I think up, up until now, the internet in a lot of ways has worked to pull us apart. I feel like with how connected it was supposed to make all of us. We've all kind of disconnected from each other. But now we're kind of using the technology. I mean, FaceTime and Zoom and Instagram stories. And I, I know we just talked about consuming media, but that interpersonal media uh, where we can check in on each other. Um, you know, if someone puts something up on social media where it really seems like they're spiraling or they're not connected or they're uh, indirectly reaching out for help, that that's an opportunity for you right there to, to reach out with them uh, to them. And it's really easy to do that now. I don't think I've ever FaceTimed my immediate family more than I have in the last two weeks. We've done a lot of that. We have. We just got off of a Zoom conference call with, I'd say, 80% of my extended family for my brother's 25th birthday. Yes. Which was interesting for you. Which I don't know that we would have done that like no. in another circumstance. Like Your brother probably would no. have been out with his friends. I don't think it would have been this comprehensive family Zoom meetup thing. No, and I don't know if you would have had an opportunity to interact with some of those members of my family until maybe another year, two, or three further down the road in our relationship. Just, uh, you know, a uh, family member. They live on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. kind of it. But my cousin lives in Taiwan. He That's got true. to call in. Two of my cousins live in Los Angeles, who, even though we only live about, you know, 16 hour drive away, we still haven't had an opportunity to go visit them. I have other members of the family that are in different areas of the East Coast. So even if we went back to the Philadelphia area, we wouldn't have had an opportunity to see all of them. So I think this is a unique moment where we're more connected with our loved ones. It might not be everyone's shared experience. Maybe not everyone is um, going through the same thing or, or has an opportunity uh, to do the same, but uh, specifically with my family, your family, us together, I think we're all getting to know a little bit more about each other or even on a base level just connecting with each other and hearing about each other's days more often, mm -hmm. which I, I don't know, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it seems like people in general, whether it's our immediate family members or just kind of maybe even friends you haven't heard from for a long time. It seems like people are reaching out more, whether it's over the phone or social media. It just, it seems like people are curious to know like, oh, what was that game you were playing when you're 
Instagram stories. It was Settlers of Catan. Or, um, you know, wow, what did you bake? That's not me. I haven't baked anything. But apparently the rest of the world. The rest of the world's been doing a lot of baking. Um, You know, I think people are kind of the barrier of reaching out is a little bit lower, which is pretty cool. People are wanting to share with each other a little bit more overall. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. And and who knows what that will look like on the other side of this. You know, maybe we will um, keep that level of uh, connectivity after. Uh, or we may all just turn back to being our previous selfish selves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping a year from now we do kind of retain some of the community and the care for other people and empathy um, that maybe people are displaying on at this time. Um, I hope we all make it through healthy and safe, but I know that's probably not going to be the reality for everybody. It might be the reality for the four people listening to this podcast, but it won't be the reality for our entire country or our entire world. But hopefully the people who are here on the other side connect with each other a bit more. We become more communal and less individualistic. In our relationship, is there anything that you want to make sure that doesn't go away, even when we're not sheltering in place? Well, I mean, not to speak in generalities again, but moving in with a partner is always a... It's uncertain territory. Though you might spend a lot of time with one another before you move in or you cohabitate you never know what's going to happen when all of person A's stuff and all of person B's stuff just exists in one space <laughs> which which can be kind of strange i think this has you know thrust us into this shared space i mean the, the reality of our shared space is so much more acute or drastic and i think we've been handling it really well i don't think we could have gone through a better test to see how well we would do living in a a shared space or living together and i don't think we are going to lose that i think this as a whole i think our relationship cohabitating is what i don't want to lose i mean it was it was put to the test immediately and i think we've been doing really well I think we've been doing well at recognizing the areas uh, that we aren't succeeding in. I don't think that's fair to say. I think we're doing really well at the areas that make us uh, feel apprehensive about the situation. The areas that might need a bit of growth. Yes, exactly. And recognizing it um, and working through it. And I don't think there's ever been a time where I feel like I can't come to you with something or... Um, something that I know that I can't work through with you. And I don't want to lose that because then I think it's fair to say we would lose our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you for editing my podcast. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) I love you. I love you too. Now we spend together But not everything we do together is better I just enjoy the weather Now we're stuck inside forever, forever Every night we spend together But not everything we do together is better I just enjoy the weather 
takeaway from Matt and I's conversation from a therapeutic point of view. A, one thing we've been doing really well at is showing gratitude for each other. John and Julie Gottman, my personal favorite couples therapy gurus, suggest that a key part of a successful relationship is creating a culture of love and appreciation for your partner. In essence, this means identifying the traits and characteristics that you appreciate about your partner and your relationship, and being sure to vocalize these often. This helps to build up a positive emotional bank account, which is likely to get a bit depleted during these times of intense stress. While it's helpful to appreciate each other for tasks we complete to help one another, this idea goes a step further when our appreciations reach beyond, to the core of who our partner is. For example, rather than simply saying, I appreciate you taking the dog for a walk, a deeper level of expressing appreciation would be something like, Thank you for taking the dog for a walk. I admire how in tune with the needs of others you are. The more time you make for gratitude in your relationship, the easier making these statements will become. And B, what could we work on? I think Matt and I can both identify that we are a bit too tuned into the news of the day. I especially am quite skilled at interrupting nice moments with announcing new COVID-19 death tolls. I need to work on it. I don't have a specific therapeutic hack for this one, but I've been trying to be more mindful about when and how I share this information. I've been trying to check in with myself by asking, is this information that I really need to share right now? Most of the time, it isn't. I know I'm someone that often needs to process things by talking through them verbally, and Matt tends to be my favorite person to do that with, but I need to make sure that I'm not simply just offloading my anxiety onto him. If I notice that I need to share about something because it's causing me anxiety, I've been trying, with admittedly mixed success, to check with Matt if he's okay to hear about it. Most of the time, he's pretty receptive to this, and it can lead to a good conversation. Everything's a work in progress right now. Then again, it always is, regardless of what's going on with the world around us. I'll keep you updated on the progress. Nothing that we spend together But not everything we do together is better I could just enjoy the weather Now we're stuck inside forever, forever Every night we spend together But not everything we do together is better I could just enjoy the weather Now we're stuck inside forever, forever, forever If I get cold, I get cold 